Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the Chief Executive Officer of a well-established and successful business located right here in Crew. The company originally focused on the development and production of advanced wound care dressings for the management of acute and post-acute wounds and has significant customers across the US and Europe. MedTrade Products Limited has now been trading 23 years and the management team have great plans to take the business forward. On Business Brunch today, we're really pleased to welcome the leader of that team, Russ Mabley. Russ, welcome to Business Brunch. Thanks, Des. Thanks for having me. So, Russ, you've, you've worked in medical services for over 25 years and you're no stranger to senior executive posts. So, share with us your journey to the boardroom and detail some of the pivotal moments of your career prior to joining MedTrade. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure, Des. Um, it's quite a journey, I guess. It started in 1998 when I came out of university and I joined Johnson & Johnson Orthopaedics, as it was known then, uh, you know, the big healthcare company, J&J, where I spent around six years uh, as a sales executive. Um, and that job really entailed me going into theatre on a daily basis and supporting surgeons technically uh, and all the theatre staff doing hip and knee replacements um, across the country. So a real eye-opener for somebody who's just come out of university to, to embark on that sort of exposure into a, a theatre environment. Um, I did that for around six years where I le- learned a lot about the technical aspects of orthopaedics in particular um, and also then went on to some sales management uh, parts within J&J. I left J&J to embark on the more the global marketing side of the business and really to understand R&D as well. So I joined a company called Biomet, which is now known as Zimmer Biomet. It's one of the um, top four orthopedic companies in the world. It's a billion-dollar U.S. company based in Warsaw, Indiana. Um, but I was based in the U.K. in their subsidiary uh, in Wales, in Bridgend. And I took European responsibility for marketing um, and the direction of the product development. So there again, I, you know, I learned a lot about R&D product development, surgeon engagement, understanding what is needed for the patients around the world. And then I built enough confidence up to then step away and join a very small company called uh, Corin Orthopedics, based in the Cotswolds. I joined that company in marketing, then uh, quickly became the chief uh, commercial officer and chief uh, operating officer and, uh, and on the board of that company. And really, that's my biggest journey, I would say, over the last 12 years before I joined Med, med trade where I sat around the board table for that period of time, really shaping the organisation uh, to to being a, a you know a challenger, what I would call a challenger orthopaedic company. So that business, when I joined it, twelve years was well, fourteen years now, was a very small niche provider with metal on metal hip resurfacing, and some will remember metal on metal hip resurfacing for some of the bad press that it had from a competitor product. But actually, that would um, infect, let's say, the whole industry. Um, And that represented around 50% of the company's worldwide revenue at the time. And so there was a requirement to really change the strategy very, very quickly. And at that time, the company was also floated on AIM. uh, And so the share price was depressed. And so we had to really move very, very quickly to develop a a, a next-generation portfolio. And what really transpired over the, the next sort of 12 years in chunks, let's say, 
was around 15 to 20 new product launches. We made five acquisitions uh, in the US, France, Australia. Um, we actually delisted the company fairly early on and put it into the hands of a very small club deal, private equity deal, and then had a second sale going into Premiera Group, a private equity group that will be known to many of your listeners. And so the business grew dramatically with the new product introductions. Um, and in doing so, you know, our personnel went from around 200 uh, 250 people to over 800 people over that period. We entered new markets. Our organic growth was, was around 24%. And obviously with the acquisitions, it was much, much faster. And, you know, it being in the hands of private equity, we drove a lot of value creation. And um, the first sale, you know, was around 30 million. The second one's around 300 million. And I believe today the business is, is, is pushing the 1 billion mark. So That's quite huge. A it's a huge business. Uh, yeah. Clearly, you've you've done uh, a terrific job on moving that forward. So, uh, you you joined MedTrade in in 2020. Uh, tell us a little about this business sector, and um, I know you've covered some of it in your previous answer. But but uh, share with us what attracted you sufficiently to make the move from the Coring Group to MedTrade. Yeah, so I had a, a little bit of downtime um, when I was after leaving Corin after those 12 years. And then I went searching for the, a new opportunity. And what attracted me to, to MedTrade um, was it's a well-known segment to me. It's, uh, it's medical device. I know it very well. And, and MedTrade really, if you were to look at it, is split today into two major trading divisions. The first division, as you mentioned in your introduction, is advanced wound care. And that is surgical dressings. Um, for acute and post-acute care. So it can be surgical dressings um, after surgery, or it can be management of chronic wounds uh, in the community. Um, and that is across U uh, US and Europe. And that's a very, very big business for us. We, we, we sell around 22 million dressings a year, predominantly in the US, um, through a very, very big strategic partner. And the second area, which was most exciting for me, was around the trauma area. And our trauma business provides two main products. One is Celox Hemostat technology, and the other one is a chest seal technology. The Celox technology is very much focused on the pre-hospital area, military, emergency services, etc. And that technology really is a game changer. Um, and it stops bleeding, um, uh, you know, very, very severe bleeding in uh, as fast as 60 seconds. So... That really got my uh, attention. Um, and that technology, the Celox technology, is an umbrella technology. It can be used in many, many different ways. And we have a very, very talented R&D team that are now taking that technology in many different areas. And this is what really attracted me to the business is the, what we can do in the area of hemostasis, both pre-hospital and hospital. But also, one of our R&D team have come up with um, a, or devised the, the technology to look at infection prevention as well. And so we will be launching, you know, a very broad spectrum of technologies looking at infection prevention. So those those areas where there's unmet clinical need and a significant cost today, I felt that the company could address those. And that's really why I, I joined uh, MedTrade. As discussed, uh, MedTrade is in its uh, 23rd year of trading. So talk us through some of the key products that you've developed in that time. 
and how you decide where to invest your R&D budget. Um, I know you've covered that just briefly in the in the previous question, but if you could just give us a flavour uh, of some of the products that Medtrade have developed. Yeah, but of course, yeah, no problem. So, so again, there's the two areas that I mentioned previously, which, and, and I'll touch on those quickly, which is around the advanced wound care. And the, the team have, have developed a full portfolio of dressings, as I say, acute and post-acute dressings for um, for dealing with either acute wounds, which are post-operative wounds, etc., uh, or anywhere there's, where there's been uh, some surgery, and also uh, chronic wounds, you know, ulcerations, etc. We then developed um, utilizing the Kaitazan know-how that came from Celox because it has a wound healing property as well. Um, we we developed a dressing um, that will look at addressing burns and chronic wounds, and those two portfolios today represent probably the number two por- portfolio in the U.S. market through our strategic partner in the U.S. So we've we've done a great deal. As I mentioned, over 22 million dressings are made by us per year and sent across the pond. The second area is, as I say, around Celox technology, which is the hemostat technology, particular pre-hospital, and that's military so we are the uh, only hemostat technology that goes into the IFAC kits, which is in, um, the first aid kits for the UK MOD. We also provide the product into ambulances, into fire um, and police, where you see a lot of incidents, accidents, be it uh, road traffic or even lone shooters, as we see, unfortunately, today. And also into US hospitals, where we're managing, uh, again, utilizing our technology in lots of different areas. So these are some of the areas that we've developed in the, in the past, uh, alongside our chest seal, where you have penetrated wounds, such as gunshot wounds into the chest area, into the cavity where you're penetrating the lung, and we uh, help the, um, the patient continue to breathe until we get them to hospital. So just to, just to touch on that last uh, question around where we decide to invest, we invest between 15 and 20% of our revenue in R&D, and I know that's quite high, but we are an R&D um, machine, let's say. The first thing for me is clinical need. If there's no clinical need, why are we bothering developing it? So it's very important for us. The second thing is what's the opportunity? Is it a big segment of the market that we're trying to address? Is there a lot of peop- uh, other competitors in that market? How do we differentiate? And what is our know-how and expertise there? Can we actually take this product into market because of our internal skills? Um, and that's what how we, we decide which products we're going to develop on. Now, I know you've not covered all the products because we've left a little time to talk about two of your most recent products, which need a special mention, as one is helping mums in childbirth and the other is helping wounded soldiers in the Ukraine. So talk us through these two products and how you're coping with the increased demand. Yeah, well, let's, um, let's try and take those individually because this is probably the most exciting part of our organization today. Let's, let's, let's focus on, on, the, on the management of postpartum hemorrhage, which is bleeding following childbirth, um, something that the business is not an expert at, um, I would say, and certainly I'm not, but in the last year or so, I have done significant reading out of the company and learning on this area. I was approached about a year ago by a professor of obstetrics and gynecology uh, called uh, Professor Wolfgang Henrik at the University uh, Hospital Charité in Berlin, who 
is using our technology off-label, so it does not have approval for the indication for postpartum hemorrhage. He's using our technology for the management of postpartum hemorrhage in his hospital and has done for the last six years and actually had, had written and pr uh, published some clinical evidence on the product. The evidence is over now 10 years of clinical experience through other centers within Germany, and it is incredibly compelling. We then did a follow-up clinical evaluation, detailed evaluation of some of, uh, a broader spectrum of patients within Charité, and we have seen over 90% uh, hemostasis, which means it stops bleeding, within five minutes of application in, in all the patients that were treated. And in fact, for patients who bled less than two and a half liters, which is a significant amount, it was a 100% success rate. And we also observed a 78% reduction in hysterectomy rate versus um, the gold standard product that's on the market today. It's also extremely simple to use um, because it's a similar product to what we have actually in the military where they need to have a soldier using it on a soldier to stop uh, massive hemorrhaging. And so the data that's been co collected by Charité has now been submitted to BSI, um, who's our notified body, for a CMARC approval for the indication and management of, of postpartum hemorrhage. The reason why it's so compelling is that this is a real global issue. Um, having read about this, there's around a 3% uh, postpartum hemorrhage rate across the world. But when you look at the low middle income uh, geographies where there's around 100 million births a year, PPH rates can range from 10 to 20%. And it's well documented by the World Health Organization that over 70,000 young mums die a year because of this uh, situation. So what should be the greatest and most exciting day of your life becomes the worst, not for you, just for the mum, but for everybody else who's involved in that. And so I'm incredibly um, driven and passionate about this, as is everybody at the company, about bringing this product to market because we do believe that Cellox PPH should be at every single birth across the world. And I think the biggest opportunity to help is actually in these low middle income uh, geographies where, you know, these mums are losing their lives and where they can't afford or the technology or the technology that is available today cannot be used in a pre-hospital setting, for example, because a lot of these births are, you know, mums are delivering not in a, what we would call a traditional environment such as a hospital. Our product, because it was developed for military, is easy to use and can be used in both a pre-hospital and hospital uh, setting. So I think we're in a, in a very unique position. We now find ourselves with 10-year clinical history that is outperforming anything else on the market. We believe it can be deployed across the world, irrespective if it's a hospital or a pre-hospital setting, um, and can stop bleeding, and I'm talking about significant severe hemorrhaging within two to five minutes uh, most of the time. So we're super excited about it. I think it'll be a game changer uh, in obstetrics and gynecology. This is what the professor is telling me in charity. So we're pretty excited. You're listening to a podcast from the cat. Russ, with regard to the last answer you were giving us about the two new products, you didn't get the opportunity to talk about the product helping wounded soldiers in the Ukraine and the fact that you send, you've send you sent hundreds of thousands of packs of this product out to the Ukraine. So talk us through the product and how you're managing to meet demand 
and then we'll see if we've got time to talk about your marketing strategy. Okay. Yeah, very, very briefly. I think our response to Ukraine is, uh, I think the team have done a, an immense job, really. I had a, a phone call from the Ukraine ministry while I was actually sat uh, watching the England-Wales rugby game in Twickenham, um, saying that the conflict had started and they require our support. And, and we as a team mobilized as of day one um, following that call. We increased production within three days to a 24-7 production I I invested millions in raw materials to ensure that we could continue to supply. And we managed to dispatch the first amount of product within three days of the conflict starting uh, within Ukraine. The product is very much focused on two areas. One is the Celox hemostat technology, which features in most of the um, individual first aid kits in in military. Um, And as I said, we are... Uh, exclusive to the UK MOD, who have been very supportive in this in this area. And since the conflict has started, we have managed to deploy over 700,000 sell-ups uh, products or packs uh, into Ukraine uh, over the border, which, which really represents 700,000 troops being kitted with our life-saving technology. So I think, you know, that is a brilliant execution for, from the team, helped by coordination through uh, people like UNICEF, um, uh, International Red Cross, many, many uh, Ukraine charities, which we have brought on as customers, um, and, and super support from a, a, you know, a number of areas around the, comp- uh, around the country, inc- including government, in order to get these products across uh, into Ukraine. And we continue to do it today. So we continue to invest, we continue to manufacture 24-7 to support Ukraine. And I think we have been the hemostat of choice for everybody over there, be it military or the, ho- or the hospital. It's a phenomenal achievement and you should be very proud of what you've achieved and, um, and it must be saving lives over there in an awful situation. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, we've got a minute or two for you to talk about how you reach out to new customers, given that you don't overtly market the business in your own words. So... And how you plan to increase global awareness of Medtrade products? Yeah, so Medtrade historically has been um, a white label uh, company. So it manufactured products on behalf of other partners. Um, as I mentioned, the, that's where the advanced wound care started. However, Celox as a technology is our own brand and we're starting to build that brand recognition through specific channels. But as you can imagine, that's a military channel or emergency services. So a very, very sort of unique ch- uh, channel. But uh, that really is where we will continue to, to focus our effort, is directing our communications to specific groups who require our product, because it, to do a blanket communication across the world will probably have very little um, effect. The second thing is around partnerships. So whether it be a distribution partnership, as we've done in the US through our advanced wound care, um, or through developing markets, our ambition with something like the Celox postpartum hemorrhage product, as we've mentioned, I believe that will probably be partnered with a charity such as UNICEF um, to, in order to reach those uh, difficult places to reach where, where the, the product is most needed. And, and, and therefore, the communication channel to them will be very direct. The last thing we'll do is through clinical studies and publications. I believe very, very strongly that in order to prove how good your products are, you must have peer-reviewed clinical publications. And that is something that we will stand behind and have stood behind 
for a lot of our products, and, and we will continue to do that so we can really un- underscore the, the need of our products with those unmet clinical needs. Okay, so moving on, Russ, the, the recent circumstances uh, surrounding the, the pandemic and, and the, um, the overflow from that have had a devastating effect on businesses across the globe. And as a result, the UK's national debt now exceeds $2 trillion. So talk us through how it has affected Medtrade and whether any of the changes you've had to introduce have been embedded in your business systems. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult time at the moment for, for everybody. I, I certainly recognise that. Um, we, had a, we had a difficult time actually going through COVID, as you can imagine, because you know, the products that we supply, one is into, the, uh, into hospitals in the, in the US predominantly, but also into Europe. And the, the number of surgeries reduced dramatically, the, the, the amount of treatment reduced dramatically, and obviously conflict was reduced dramatically. So the need for our products reduced. Um, we've seen a, a significant recovery post-COVID uh, in both those business units, which is, which is great to see. Um, but what we're now seeing, as you, as you rightly mentioned, is a dramatic increase in costs. And we see this across probably three different areas. One is in raw materials from our suppliers. The second is through energy, as everybody's seeing at home. And the third one is tra- transportation. As I mentioned, you know, a huge amount of product being shipped across into the U.S. You know, when you look at global fr- uh, freight rates, they've increased dramatically over, over the last 18 months. Um, and again, anybody who, who um, distributes across the world will, would, would have felt all three of these. And we see it in our day-to-day lives. So these things are a challenge. Um, we are focusing on operational excellence and cost control as an organization. I have hired somebody uh, who's very senior and well-known to me to focus on, on the operational parts of the organization to, to drive operational excellence. But for me, you know, you look at trying to drive the business forward um, and, and drive for growth. So actually, our biggest focus is around growth still, is, is investing in those areas of R&D where we see the biggest opportunity. So whilst there is this lump of cost that is hitting everybody across the world, I, I think it's really important not to lose sight of your long-term ambition, and that is growth, and that's where we're, we're focusing all our effort and our R&D effort today. Uh, Russ, you, you now have 85 employees on the team, and like most businesses, you're entirely dependent on your staff for maintaining the, the company's reputation. So tell us what it takes to manage a successful team and how you keep them trained and motivated. Yeah, look, I mean, it's um, if you don't have people, then you don't have a company, as simple as that. Um, you know, the people are everything to, to our business. And it's always difficult to please to please everybody. Um, I think the first thing to say is we're very, very lucky to be li- delivering um, life-saving or life-changing products. And so it's quite easy to communicate to the team what we're trying to do because they can see a dramatic change with, with patients quite, quite quickly. You know, if you save a life, that is very, very dramatic. So... Um, I think that's the first thing. I, I've got a good foundation in which to work off. But I think the key fundamental for me is, is communication. We communicate as a team as much as possible. Um, uh, and we have things like town halls. We have uh, you know, team events. In fact, we have one coming up this Friday, which is um, a full day of team, team events to get together and just spend a bit of time uh, as, as a team. I think the second thing for me is clarity of task, what we are trying to achieve, or more importantly, what we're not trying to achieve, a bit of focus on where the business is going. And, and again, this is back through the communication channel. 
I think it's got to be imp- important. It's exciting for everybody that they feel that they are part of something that is moving forward. And I think some of the pr- uh, projects that I maybe um, discussed a little bit earlier, there's that, you know, around PPH, um, around, you know, the sell-up technology, the change we're making uh, in Ukraine, for example, it's all exciting um, and, and know that you're making a difference to people. So I think that's very, very important. The last thing for me is around empowerment. Empowerment, you know, for me, I want to empower the team to take, uh, you know, decisions. We want an entrepreneurial environment for everybody to, to make a difference. We ran a survey recently and, and to look at the improvements we want to make in our organization. Um, and we are looking at implementing a lot of those those suggestions at the moment. So I think also listening to the team uh, as to where they see benefits of the organization so they feel part of the organization is critical. Um, and, and they're the things that we're kind of doing right now. Okay, so looking forward, and, and I know you've already touched on it briefly, we're still in very uncertain times for all businesses, uh, you, but you have further exciting changes in the pipeline for MedTrade. So share with us what the next phase of growth includes. Yeah, so, you know, again, as I say, we've got to look at the uh, sort of medium to long term of the organisation as opposed to where we are right now, although it's important to make sure that we... We, we keep contr- uh, control of the organization. But today, because of what we've been doing, the business is growing around 180%. So we're in a very, very good position because of our products and our technologies that we're delivering today. On top of that, we're investing, as I said, around 15 to 20% of our turnover in, in new product development. And we, we are planning to launch around six new products in the next 18 months. So that ranges from the products that we talked around, uh, which is the next gener- generation dressings uh, for acute and post-acute uh, um, uh, issues. We have a silver technology that the team have developed, which is, again, a next generation silver, um, uh, an active technology that, that looks at infection prevention. We're all, all obviously looking around Celox and what the next generation of Celox technology is. And we have developed in partnership with uh, the DOD, which is the Depart- Department of Defense in the U.S., a temporary internal hemostat, which is looking at stopping bleeding in the torso area, as we call it, the non-compressible area. And so, in fact, I'm flying to the U.S. Um, this Friday to, uh, to go to the, to the next development meeting on, on that technology. Then we have the postpartum hemorrhage technology, which we spoke about, and we submitted to CE Mark. We'll have our BSI uh, review um, in a few weeks and hope that that product will have European approval um, this year and then go on for approval into the US. And as I said, I believe that's a, a true game changer. So, so the last uh, piece is, is our BioRace technology, which is really targeted at the issue around biofilm. And biofilm is, uh, in essence, a bubble that sits on top of an infection to stop normal anti- antibiotics um, taking away that infection. We have created a technology with a know-how of our Celox um, ingredient. Our scientists have spun it in a different way, and, and it now has the ability to eradicate biofilm and then really attack an infection. So what this can do, it can either be a preventative technology, um, and I'll give you an example for a surgeon doing a hip or knee replacement, there is a potential of an infection happening whilst doing the surgery. And if you utilize our technology in a lavage format, so a liquid format in that surgery, it will uh, protect that, that joint replacement from having an infection. 
The second area is where there is an infection present, where there is biofilm present. And we have a technology either in the lavage or a gel format where it can, as I say, break down that biofilm and then uh, address that infection in place and eradicate the infection. So we think this, again, is an umbrella technology. Um, it's a platform technology that will allow us to really tackle the biofilm issue, which is across the world and is costing health uh, care systems billions a year. And so that will be another um, uh, development for us and launch in, in uh, 2023. It's hugely interesting, and I, I know we've only touched on a, a small percentage of what you do, Russ, but I'm sure our listeners will find it as interesting as I do. And the fact that you're, you're doing business here in Crewe and probably very few people know about it. So thank you for giving up your time today to explain what it takes to, to run a successful business in the medical supply chain. And before we finish, should any of our listeners want to contact you, where can they find more information about MedTrade? The best place, uh, Des, is to just go to our website, which is medtrade.co.uk, um, and look us up. There is also uh, an information um, inquiries page there, so if anybody wants to ask any questions and get in contact, then please feel free. Russ, thanks very much for coming on The Cat today. A pleasure. Thanks, Des, for having me. Cheers. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.